0: Okay, Today we come to one of the great chapters in the Bible, Romans chapter 3. This is um, one of the great chapters in the book of Romans, um, uh, rivaling uh, probably the best chapter in Romans is Romans chapter 8, but uh, this is a rich chapter that deserves careful reading again and again. So let's consider some truths we find in it, and I hope you've already read it. In verse 12, um, Paul quotes Psalm 53 and says, No one does good not even one. I mean, think about that. No one does good, not even one. And this may be initially shocking. Um, it is actually pretty self-evident if you've been uh, paying careful attention to the first two chapters of Romans. The deal is no one, not Jews, not Gentiles, is a, is good or does good in the sight of God. Even the things we think we do that are good, that are they're not good. In fact, uh, Isaiah 64, 6 says they're, they're filthy rags. We can think of plenty of things that we say, do, and think that aren't good. But really, even the things we do that we think are good aren't because they're tinged often with wrong motives at some point. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one says, do all to the glory of God. So unless we do something with the glory of God being our sole and complete motivation, It isn't good. We read in Romans 14, 23, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So unless we do something um, springing from pure faith in the Lord, both to help us and to bring him glory, it isn't good. If it's not done uh, out of a love of neighbor that is as strong as our love for ourselves, it isn't good. Truth be told, if the only acts that are good are those motivated by pure and conscious faith and a desire to bring God glory and and with a pure love of neighbor that is as strong as my love for myself, then very little we do is good. Even if I've, I, you know, I've found, even in myself, uh, in, in con- confessing sin even, like, when I when I find myself in prayer confessing a sin to the Lord, I, I I have in the midst of that realized that deep down, even in my prayer to God, I'm trying to make it sound better than it really was, trying to make it now sound not so bad. I mean to the Lord, so I would what I realize is I was when I do that I'm even sinning when I'm confessing my sin. We're not good. <laughs> That's simply the truth of the matter. He says no one does good and then in the secondly he says uh, that the bad news uh, gets worse I mean it even reaches its 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 pinnacle its apex in Romans 3:23 there Paul concludes all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God the first part of that verse is what we've been hashing and rehashing for three chapters now that we've all sinned and if we don't believe it by now, uh, then it's because of sheer willful blindness or just outright disagreement with the text. What well, we need to make sure we're clear on quickly as the last, is the last part of that verse. What does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? I mean, God is infinitely glorious. And, uh, and it's obvious that I'm not as glorious as, as he is. You're not either. He didn't create me as glorious as he is. So how can he hold, how can he hold me at fault for not being as glorious as he himself is. Is that even what Paul is saying? What Paul is saying when he says that all all people fall short of the glory of God is that we have fallen short of glorifying God as we ought to and as he deserves. That is what we fall short of doing. That is what we were um, laying out and and explaining uh, just a moment ago. God is worthy of receiving intentional praise and honor from every action, every word, every thought that comes about in our lives. So that is the pinnacle of the bad news. God created us and gave us life and put breath in our lungs so that we would turn around and love him and glorify him with all our might in every moment of our lives. As one of the uh, old catechisms puts it, uh, perfect Uh, personal, and perpetual uh, obedience. That would be glorifying God as we ought to and as he deserves. That is what we have not done and do not do. And there are indescribably serious consequences to that refusal and rebellion. But this is where the good news finally comes about in the book of Romans. So let's think about God being just and the justifier. There is no way we could lay out in full, the glory found in verses 21 through 26. A lifetime of study could be spent there, and I hope that you spend your life in in study of the riches of those verses. I do, though, want to give a brief glance at one of the great truths laid out there in verses 21 through 26. Clearly, the first three chapters of Romans has been hammering out the, the point convincingly that we're sinners who have earned and who deserve the judgment and the condemnation of God. It's here, though, that in these final verses I just, just said that Paul begins to lay, lay out the good news of the gospel. Um, there are some words here that are very important. The first word is the word justified. Verse 24 said we are justified by his grace As a gift. What does that mean? Justified is a legal word, the kind of language uh, appropriate to a courtroom. If a man is on trial, if in the end he is justified, it means he is declared not guilty and, and cleared of all charges and punishments. Paul says this can happen to us before God. We can be declared justified or not guilty. Uh, before the judgment seat of God, but based on the record that we have earned for ourselves, how on earth could that be? Um, especially when elsewhere in Scripture we read passages like Proverbs 17:15, "He who justifies the wicked is an is an abomination to the Lord," or consider God's promise in Ezekiel Ezekiel, Exodus 23:7, "I will not acquit the wicked." Well, uh, I can certainly see how a holy God would say that, but that leads to the question then how in the world then could he justify and equip me a sinner well that's where another important word comes into play, and that is the word in verse twenty five propitiation, propitiation it's like the word initiation with a pro in the front <laughs> propitiation um. Verse 25 says, uh, "Christ talks about Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. So herein lies the key to understanding how God can justify a sinner without breaking his word in Exodus 23, 7 or Proverbs 17, 15. Propitiation means, that word means, the removal of wrath or anger. To propitiate someone is to appease them, to take away their wrath or their anger. And Paul says here that Jesus was put forward as a propitiation. That is, God the Father put, put him forward, uh, which is stunning in itself. Put, put Christ forward so that he could propitiate or take away the wrath God the, the wrath of God the Father against us because of our sin and our continual offense against him. How would Jesus be a propitiation? What does the verse say? It says a propitiation by his blood. That means Jesus propitiated the wrath of God the Father against us by undergoing and taking upon himself the punishment that was rightfully and justly coming to us because of our sin and offense. It was his sacrifice, his suffering, and his death that finally and fully took away the wrath and anger of God against us. Not because he swept it under the rug, or because he just decided to forgive and forget, that would be immoral for him to do it. His wrath is now gone because it has completely been poured out and exercised on someone else instead of us. And that is why Paul can say so eloquently uh, that because of what Jesus has done, he can now be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, verse 26. Without Jesus... He could not justify us, because it wouldn't be just of him. That's what Exodus twenty three seven and Proverbs seventeen fifteen say. Uh, he who justifies the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. So if he if he justified us as wicked as we are, simply uh, by saying so, it would be unjust for him to do so. Without Jesus, uh, also he would he would be just only in pouring out his wrath on us in an an eternal hell. But now, because of Jesus, he can justify us and be just in doing so uh, because because he did not sweep his wrath under the rug but poured it out on a substitute in our place. That, my friends, is the best news that you'll ever hear. And we read it so beautifully in Romans chapter 3.